everyone, and welcome to this final episode of Ginger Gerald, You Lucky Bastard for 2023. I can hear you all holding back the tears. How will I get through Christmas without old Ginger Gerald's gags? I hear you splutter into your turkey. Well, never fear, I'll be back soon, and I'll tell you all about the art at the end of today's show. Now, after popping out the Christmas episode, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas last week. A bunch of my nearest and dearest have been reminding me of other traditions and other anecdotes which I didn't include, some of which were very funny. So I've just got to tell you this one, okay? My son, he was only five at the time, he came home from school and announced that he'd got a part in the nativity play at his Mexican primary school. We were delighted. He was only just starting to speak Spanish. He'd only been in the country a few months, so we were so proud of him and excited for him. What part have you got? We asked, thinking, maybe Joseph. No, wasn't Joseph. Maybe one of the shepherds or one of the wise men, we thought, or great parts, possibly the beginnings of a professional acting career. No, he said, I'm not one of the wise men. I'm not one of the shepherds. I'm a bucket. A bucket. Oh, it was so funny. And he wasn't making it up. We ended up going to the nativity play, of course, and his role was to stand at the back of the stable for the entire play, not moving a muscle and not saying a word, dressed up as a bucket. Fancy that, a bucket in the nativity play. That made us laugh so much. Anyway, let's move on to today's episode as we have a very special guest with us today and one of my very favourite people in the whole wide world, my eldest daughter. During this entire podcast so far, all of the insights, feelings and anecdotes have come from Ginger Gerald's point of view. Or if you remember the emotional roller coaster of an episode called Spilling the Tea, we also had my wife's angle on things. However, or is going to give us a very different point of view from the next generation. Her perception and thoughts may and will be very different to ours, so without further ado, let's dig in and see what she has to say. This might be quite enlightening. Hello, Art, and thank you so much for joining me today. This is great for my podcast to have you on. Hello, Ginger Gerald. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for your invitation. How weird is that? Your own stepdaughter calling you Ginger Gerald. Anyway, listen, R, I always think of you as a really international sort of a girl. So talk us through a little bit your life from your early years, your life and then your jobs and your travels. Come on, talk us through. Show off a little bit. Right. So as a very small child, um, I was born in Brighton and then swiftly moved to Thailand. And I lived there and in Hong Kong until about the age of three or four. Then I came back to England, um, had a very happy childhood in Saltdean on sea. And then uh, after that, obviously, um, family moved to Mexico. So I spent a bit of time there. Uh, straight after my master's, went out there, worked for a bit. Then uh, came back to London, and then since then I've spent six years living in Portugal. So uh, I guess you can call that quite international. Yeah, and you've done quite a lot of travelling as well, because you've mentioned where you live. So just blast off a few of those places where you've travelled, because you went for quite long periods of time. So maybe where haven't you been? But let's start with where you have been. Yeah, correct. So I was 
2018 when I went around South America backpacking. So that was uh, Brazil, Argentina, Bolivia, Peru, um, Costa Rica, Guatemala. And then I've also, through TV work, I've worked in Panama. Uh, I've worked in Malaysia. Um, I think that's it. Well, Panama and Malaysia, you see, this is all quite exciting. Now, let me take you, you mentioned a moment ago that you'd lived in Lisbon. Did mm -hmm. you say Lisbon or Portugal? But I know Lisbon for six years. So I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago and we talked about where your home is or where your heart is. Is your heart your home? All those sorts of things. How did you feel about Lisbon while you were living there? Did it, was it home for you? And if it was, what were the great things about it and what were the challenges that you had? Yeah, obviously at the beginning, it was less home than it became. Um, once you get to know language of somewhere, that helps. Once you know local people, you can go out. Like I remember feeling like I wasn't really, like I didn't really belong there. And then a friend visited me from London and we went out in Bajo Alto and I bumped into maybe six or seven people I knew within two hours. And she kind of looked at me and was like, you say you don't know anyone, but you really do. Like people know you here. So then once you know people, once you speak the language, once you've got your favourite food, maybe your favourite places you like to go on your day off, then, yeah, it becomes familiar and feels like a, a lovely place to be. Yeah, because anyone who's been to Lisbon, I guess, it's such a beautiful, I think it's such a beautiful city because it's, it's big but not too big. It's run down, but it's not run down. The people are friendly, but it's a funny sound in language. How did you get to grips with that language? I can't even begin. Yeah, um... So obviously I already spoke Spanish because I'd studied Spanish and spent time in Mexico. And um, when you see Portuguese written, it looks very much like Spanish. Like you kind of automatically understand about 50%. And then with my job, there were free classes um, and I had to go for the language level. And I'd not spoken any Portuguese before and automatically got a high level. And therefore they didn't give me the language lessons just simply because I spoke Spanish. Um, but it sounds very harsh. At the first, I didn't really like the accent and what it sounded like. Sorry, Portuguese people. Um, but then after a few years, like everything else in Portugal that just felt so lovely and familiar, I really, really liked the language and preferred it to... Like At first, I preferred Brazilian Portuguese. And then by the end of my time there, I preferred Portuguese, Portuguese from Portugal. And uh, yeah, I did have some lessons along the way to help as well. And what is it about the people? Because I, I can understand it. Portuñol, we used to call it, which is I speak Spanish, they speak Portuguese back. But that's cheating. I know you don't do that. What is it about the people in Lisbon, in Portugal, when you travel? And I know you're a big surfer, so you've not just stayed in Lisbon. You've been up and down the country. What is it about the people that you most like? Um, I think they're quite similar to English people in some ways. They call themselves Latinos a lot. But I don't see it quite like that. I think they, um, they're quite different to the Spanish. They're quite different to Latinos, I know. And, but they've got this like sarcastic sense of humor and a little bit more reserved than Spanish and Latinos, I think. So I think they're a bit more like us, actually. Um, but yeah, they are love, they're lovely people and friendly. And, um, but of course, Lisbon is very international. So I mix not just with Portuguese people, but like lots of international people as well. Okay. And tell me about those cream pies. They're quite nice, aren't they? I fancy a few of those. So you get to Lisbon and all the Portuguese people are like, oh, you have to go to Belém to have the real pastel de nata. 
and you don't believe them because you just think they're just being proud about their pastel de nata. And then once you go to Belen and have the fresh, real pastel de nata, there's no going back. Like you don't want any other ones because they're not the same unless they're fresh and those original ones. And I just, they're a treat. Meg came out to uh, uh, visit me and she, I think we went three or four times in the week that she, that she was there because she was so hooked on them as well. Listen, we don't do adverts on Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard. We're advert-free. However, if I did do an advert, I'd do it for Pastel de Nato. They are so gorgeous. Right, Ray, let's move on a little bit. And I'm going to do your... I'm not going to say how old you are. However, it was quite a long time ago when I lost my job, do you remember? And we were looking, where are we going to work? Where am I going to live? I got a job in Mexico. Um, but you were in your... about to do your A-levels... So it was your second year A-level. So you stayed back in the UK, in Brighton, um, and we went off to Mexico. Now then, put your mind back there. How did you feel? I don't mean practically, but inside. How did you feel? What was going on in your mind at that time? Mm, I mean, on one part of me, I was excited about Mexico because we'd been on holiday before and we all loved it, but... It was also quite a difficult time to me, for me, to be honest, because I moved in with Nan and Grandpa, um, which was more isolated from where my friends were as well because they were in the countryside instead of down, down in Brighton. And uh, kind of having to get on my feet with learning to drive. And I, I, did, I felt a little bit left behind at times, I must admit. Yeah, and that was tough. We listened to tea because we had spilling the tea a few weeks ago that so many people listened into. And, you know, the people in Mexico were crying listening to spilling the tea. And you are, you were a big part of that because obviously for tea, M and EJ came with us and off we went. We knew you were coming, but you had this period of time when you had to do your A-level. So how did you manage to concentrate? What sort of kept you going through that? And then what were your plans at the time? Because quite a lot happened around that time for you. So I was a teenager. I was like 16, 17, I think. So my friends is what kept me going. Like they became super important to me and like um, just nights out in Brighton. And um, I had a boyfriend as well at the time. And we then planned a trip around South America that included Mexico so that we'd end up coming out to visit. Um and obviously I had Nan and Grandpa that were a huge help. And uh, what else kept me going? All the other things that still keep me going, like dancing and all my interests and stuff like that. So dancing, you haven't mentioned that before. So talk to us a bit about that, because that fits into your international role as well. It's not a very English thing. It wasn't Morris dancing you were doing, was it? What are you up to in the dancing world? What have I not been up to in the dancing world? I've done carnivals. I've danced on TV in Lisbon and was interviewed on TV in Lisbon. I do like a bit of samba, so dancing carnivals. And uh, um, I also love salsa and bachata. And then in Lisbon, learnt a bit of kazomba. Yeah. Kazomba, I tell you. If anyone wants it, this is like having a star on my show. I didn't realise it was going to work out like this. Okay, so back to Mexico. So there we all were. Your little brother, who was only little at the time, he was in school, and your little sister, not quite so little, also at school. And then you came to Mexico and over the next few years sort of came and went a little bit, worked elsewhere, lived elsewhere, travelled, then came. You had a job for a while in Mexico. So how did Mexico and the Mexicans feel for you and the reason I'm asking this is for all of us when we lived there 
we really felt and we really missed it. When I did the pod the other day about revisiting Mexico, we realised quite how much we missed lots of aspects. For you, how did Mexico, did it? Did Mexico ever feel like home? Yeah, absolutely. I know I didn't go out there with you guys and I wasn't there full time. But when I was 13 and that holiday we went on and we went to Chichen Itza, I started reading about archaeology, anthropology, and that became my uh, career. That's what I studied at university. It's what I'm working in now, just about go, about to go on to a Mayan project. Um, had a big, a big love with a Mexican. Um, spent, spent most holidays out there when you guys were still there. So absolutely like it's, Mexico is a massive part of my life. I've been back by myself traveling uh, a few years ago to go and see a friend and go back and yeah, it's, it's a massive part of me. It will always be in my heart. So in case, folks, you think I'm going to go into and, and delve into that love of hers, I'm not. You've got to wait for that. That's another episode, but not today. So let's move on a little bit. And that's great about Mexico. And it's amazing, really, considering you spent some time there but didn't quite live there like the rest of it. But you still got such an attachment that it's been a massive influence on everything you've done and what you're passionate about. And even now, here I am, here we are at home, I'm watching you researching Mayans and researching archaeology and anthropological themes, which began because of your interest in Guatemala and then Mexico. Okay, so we moved then after nine long and great years, we then moved to Spain. And one of the reasons we moved to Mallorca was to be closer to you. That was one of it. How did you feel at that time? Maybe we had something in our mind and you were thinking something different. I don't know. How did you feel about that move? Um, well, at the time, I just applied for a visa to come back out and work in Mexico. And I had an interview and I'd found a job to come back out. So I was a little bit pissed off that suddenly you were coming back and then that I didn't want to go out and take that job without a family in Mexico because I think Mexico with a family is a very different place to Mexico without your family around because it's it's got so many amazing things but it also has the kind of more dang, it has the downsides as well and um but of course then you were going to be closer and ever since I've been able to pop over for weekends if I want to from London or from Lisbon and that has made a huge difference. Um, and of course, Spain's still Spanish speaking. And, and so it's not, if you're going to jump from Mexico to another country, Spain's quite a, quite a close one in some ways. And Mallorca's not so bad, really, really quite pretty, quite close. So I'm pleased you said that because that was, that's what we felt when we moved. That was the idea of it, that we'd be able to be much closer, see each other much more often. So listen, you've talked through various places you've lived and worked and travelled and so on. Give us a top one, two, three. Where are the places that you call, including where you are right now, where's home for you or homes? You, you're not, you don't have to limit yourself to one. Where are homes for you and why? Just really quickly. Um, I think home you realise after all is where the people you love are. Wherever that is, that will always be home. Even if they move to Timbuktu, that will be your home because they're there. But in turn, if you want me to give you locations, it would be uh, Buxted, <laughs> um, Lisbon, and not Mallorca, but like your house in Mallorca. Ah, oh, that's so nice. Um, she just likes the swimming pool. I think that's what it is. And of course, we're going to talk about Christmases overseas in a moment. So that'll come back to our house as well. 
She mentioned Buxted a moment ago. For those who don't know, that's where Nan lives. So that's why that's home. And that's been home for you at periods of time, for quite long periods of time at different times in your life. So that relationship with your grandparents, because your parents were away or elsewhere, that must have been hugely important to you. Yeah. Like, for example, because you guys are away, when I moved to university, it was Grandpa Roy who moved me. With the little, he even bought a van so he could fit all my stuff in and move me up to Bristol and then to Manchester. He did it again and he he taught me to drive. And uh, so Nan and Grandpa were there for a lot of big milestones and, and very important in my life, yeah. So that, ladies, or is in fact the reason home is where the heart is. What a great example of home is where the heart is. And you can have a bunch of homes. I feel like I've got a bunch of homes. Okay, home is now Mallorca, but home very much felt home when we were in Mexico and of course where I'm from was also home I don't consider it home really anymore although I say oh yeah I'm going to go home and see my mum I've not lived there for 40 years um almost um but it's odd the whole thing we think about home right let's come on a little bit to Christmases because everyone likes Christmases and you've spent Christmases in lots of different places and I've just done a pod last week about Christmas and spending it overseas the traditions now the reason I'm asking you this question is you love a tradition so talk us through what you like about Christmases overseas and what maybe you don't like about Christmases overseas I do love a tradition um And I remember a few years in Mexico that we had Christmas. It's so weird. You almost feel like you've missed out on Christmas because it's not the typical white Christmas. You can't maybe get the kind of turkey that you want to get. You might be having to make do with a smoked turkey, for example. (laughs) Um, So the things I like about Christmas abroad, all I can think of right now is the singing carol songs at the hotel lobbies. And we had that story. If you haven't heard that story, go back one. Uh, the the Christmas pod where we talked about going in. And that, I think, was your idea, wasn't it? Oh, that was funny, wasn't it? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember Ev in the back of the car with like a, a jumper over his head, just from sheer embarrassment that he just wanted to hide himself. I think he cried at some point and we were just loving it. Yeah, poor, poor EJ. So traditions and Christmas, let's just finish that one off because we've got Christmas coming up. By the time this comes out, everyone will be warming up for Christmas. What about your Christmases elsewhere? Because you've not always been with us at Christmas. Um, what do you most like about Christmas or maybe child memories of Christmas? Um, yeah, so we have a tradition, we don't do every year, but we go to Centre Park sometimes. And that's uh, always a special time with we have our itinerary of activities, we take our presents up there, the little squirrels on the patio outside, you have to wrap up warm on your bicycles. And that's, it sounds stupid, but maybe, but that's like a big life goal for me is that I want to continue that and I want my own family that I can take. And, can, and do that with them as well, the way we've had such lovely Christmases there. That's great. We all love a tradition, don't we, folks? Now, let's just, for a moment, talk about um, COVID and Brexit. Let's put those two things together, because over quite a few years now, they've made travel challenging and they've made sort of us seeing each other a bit challenging, in particular COVID, but then Brexit with where can you stay? Now, I heard a story... Or did I read it in the paper that you got deported from somewhere? Does that mean you're a criminal? What went on there? Yeah, when uh, 
when the immigration officers told me that I was being deported from Sweden, I burst into tears and asked if that meant I had a criminal record. <laughs> and they, they reassured me that it didn't mean that. Um, so, but it did mean I had to fly back to, or they deported me to a random city in Poland, who then, and then they deported me again back to England. Uh, it just meant I had to get some stamps in my passport if I wanted to ever go back to Sweden. So it wasn't the end of the world, but at the time when I was uh, police escorted onto a plane, it felt it felt pretty low. And why were they deporting you? What was the reason for deporting you? So because I'm British and because of Brexit, you have limited days in Europe. Um, and I had flown from Lisbon to Spain and then Spain via Poland to Sweden because it was a cheap flight and... I hadn't had stamps put in my passport and therefore the immigration people at Sweden couldn't work out how many days I'd been in Europe. They didn't know if I was lying, if I'd outstayed my time that I was allowed to stay in Europe. And uh, despite me showing them that my photos, my my uh, my flight tickets, emails, everything, they decided uh, I might be lying and I might be outstaying my time in Europe and they were deporting me. Well, there's the beauty of Brexit for you folks. If you've voted for you for it, well, you shouldn't have done, all right? And that's why I've got an Irish passport nowadays. And you, Ray, if I'm not wrong, are just waiting for your uh, Portuguese passport to come through. Is that right? Yeah, my Portuguese nationality has been approved. So I'm now Portuguese. Ray. Woohoo! And um, I haven't got my actual physical passport in my hand yet, but it's on its way. That's fantastic. And, and we're still in the UK as well, so we are, we have both. We're not giving up on our past, but it's it allows us free to, certain freedoms that nowadays UK citizens no longer have, unfortunately, within the EU. So, oh, this has been really enlightening and really interesting. You're still such an international girl, but you're only so many years old. You've got a whole life ahead of you. What sort of dreams, obviously things can change, so you're not, I'm not tying you to any of this, but what sort of dreams do you have internationally? Are you done with travelling? Have you done enough and time to stop? What sort of dreams do you still have that you want to, that you want to do internationally? I don't think I'll ever stop wanting to travel. I think there comes a point where you kind of don't, it's quite when you start from zero in a new place and you don't know anyone and you've got to build up those relationships, friendships and stuff. It takes time and uh, I think there comes a point where you don't really want to do that. A few years ago, I did a trip alone, like around Spain, looking at different cities, thinking I'll come to Spain. Um, and there were some lovely cities. None of them actually, none of them beat Lisbon for me. But in the end, I just thought, you know what, I don't want to go somewhere new and start again, as lovely as the city or place might be. And um, But I don't think I ever want to stop travelling. And with the work I do, I really hope it will take me abroad again, wherever that is. That's fantastic, and I'm sure it will are, what with your languages, your experience. Uh, listen, it's been fabulous having you on today. I think you've added a different angle. We've only been one, we've been singular generational up until now, and now we've introduced you to give a slightly different angle on things. So we're so proud of you. You're doing so, so well. Um, so thank you so much for coming on to a podcast that's called Ginger Gerald, You Lucky Bastard. You're very welcome, Ginger Gerald, anytime. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of this week's episode and indeed to the end of the year. Now, Ginger Gerald is going to have a bit of a break for a few weeks over the festive period to recharge the podcast batteries and to live out all those Christmas traditions I've been going on about recently. 
It also gives me a chance to prepare some more scintillating, inspiring and insightful content for you and to maybe line up one or two interesting guests for the early part of 2023. So keep an eye on the GGYLB social media so you know when to tune in again and take advantage of this mini festive break to catch up on any of the episodes you have maybe inadvertently missed or to replay your favourites. And of course, Christmas is a great time to introduce them to all of your in-laws, your neighbours, your work colleagues, anyone who comes round for a glass of mulled wine and a mince pie. Speaking of which, it's about time we got into the spirit around here. So thank you so much for listening in to Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard, during 2022. Have a very happy Christmas and New Year. And I look forward to speaking with you all again around about the second week of January 2023. Bye. Thank, Thank you, Ginger, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives. lives.